Well, welcome one and all to another episode of the Low End of Friends podcast. This episode, I have my good pal Steve Katona on, who's probably been talked about in almost every episode and hasn't been on yet, but here he is. So uh, <laughs> I, was just, I was just thinking about that. I totally forgot. Uh, so Steve, Steve, honestly, I think my because we met my freshman year. You were a sophomore at Miller. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you remember this, but my first memory of you is the first time Peyton came up to visit, I ran into a group of friends, and I think you were there with Colin, and, I rem- and I'm terrible with names. And I remember okay. I went around, I was introducing Peyton to every person and like introducing names, and I got to you, and I just went, fuck, because I completely forgot your name. <laughs> and you're like, seriously? And I, 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 I know you for like three weeks at that point. So yeah, that's Amazing. I'm not sure if you remember that, but that's probably like my earliest memory of us actually talking was me messing up your name. Completely. I don't. Did I take it that personally? No, nah, it was I, it was the usual. I was gonna like, say I hope I did. No, nah, it was like the usual um, dry, I don't know, dry humor, Steve fashion of you're like seriously, bro. But that yeah. sounds yeah. <laughs> nothing like me, Josh O'Neill. Uh, no, I, I don't remember. It's that's okay. My first memory of you. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. My first, I guess, memory of us, like connecting and maybe that was when um there was this like the very first singer songwriter night for mmp yeah yeah you were still playing like open tuning guitar stuff Mm. and you had i think you played two songs and but there was one in particular i remember it was in like open d or something yeah i were just shredding it yeah that's and i was like (laughs) yeah afterwards i was like yo dude that was like so sick like we got to write together like i was i was so googly-eyed after that performance yeah. i still am i think about it all the time <laughs> well i always uh there's a couple of those because i mean and we, we'll get into it more but like you're what you have been doing with the singer songwriter stuff for a while was like what i really wanted to do freshman year like i didn't really know right. like that much i was really i was a really bad bass player like that was <laughs> which is not because that's why i auditioned on uh but you know I slowly got better but like that kind of i don't sing too well so that kind of singer songwriter stuff is eventually is what I wanted to do, but eventually I came into like the instrumental world that I'm in now. But like I still I still love that aspect of music of just very I don't know. It's cause I think it is it's insincere to call it simple music because while like from like a theory standpoint, I guess it is, but like as far oh, sure. as like trying to write a really good broken down song is really hard to do. Like you can take any sort of like mm-hmm. tech guy that is out there who can play like every scale, like on the earth and do like crazy stuff. But like, if you sit them down and be like, write a sincere heartfelt song, like in a singer songwriter fashion, like I can't do it. So, um, sure. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing with that label is it's so broad. Mm. I mean, like singer songwriters come to me so much. I feel like it always has too. Cause like, I mean, you could take singer songwriter to be like, John Mayer is always like referred to as like a singer songwriter. Mm. So guys like him and Jack Johnson were like when I was first introduced to like the concept of like the 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 whole thing is just one person and one instrument mm. was like those two. And then, you know, I'd see like live performances of like, I don't know, like Shanito O'Connor or like Tori Amos and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, like this is this is cool. But I remember I think you and I you and I flipped then because when I came to college I was like super into Prague. Like I remember like I, my, the first interval song I heard was, uh, an escape uh, from okay. a voice within. Mm. I heard it on Instagram and I was like, Oh my God, like it blew my mind. And then I just, I love that album. Colin and I geeked out about that album forever. And then after that, like once I got 
went through more of my years in college, I started to just find more stuff away from that. Like I still have my soft spot for like Pliny and of course, Aaron, David Maxim, uh, yeah. Missick. I, I, I can't forget. pronounce I, it. So yeah, me neither. <laughs> but yeah, he, he, uh, his specifically Philo 2.0 mm. was like a huge influence. I learned that whole EP on drums Damn, and dude. I was just like, I'm going to play, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I'm going to play this kind of, these kinds of drums. Mm. And then like, that's it. And now I like barely play drums <laughs> because <laughs> uh, you played on a Lexi's EP. I did, which was a lot of fun. And that was definitely super proggy. And then you, and then you had some of that other proggy stuff you were throwing in that drive with Alexi that sounded really cool. Mm. But it's neat to see that shift because that was always something I remembered about you was you, you were definitely more in that, in that singer songwriter range mm. and then kind of like morphed over. And I feel like that feels like a more logical progression. Whereas <laughs> I almost like, and it's, and it's nice to hear you say that it's like not as, you know, like to call it simple would be maybe talking now, but it does feel a little weird that it's like, you'd think the person who was like super into like Prague mm. would find, I don't know, their interest in something other than cowboy chords. But like, <laughs> I mean, that's my jam. Hey, dude. cowboy chords all the way, dude. Yeah. They work. And like, yeah, I don't know. Cause like it, again, like it, there's a certain aspect of songwriting that is very hard to do simplified like i can like if i feel stuck and like within my songwriting like i'll just i'll start doing math i'm like oh we're just gonna do we're gonna take you know two measures of four four which is 32 you know 16 notes but we're gonna do odd groupings of the 16 notes and put like a four four how many times can we break this up yeah and see like you know make it weird so like for me like if i get stuck i'm like oh i'm just gonna do some math and you can usually come up with some like pretty cool grooves and groupings with that you can't really like if you get stuck with like singer sorry and stuff it's like hmm, i'm just gonna go make myself sad for a little bit come back and see and see what happens um yeah it's pretty much the opposite of running around a parking lot yeah <laughs> and having your friends scream obscenities at you uh dude. it's like walking sadly around your bathroom and having your mom just like ask if you're okay over yeah. and over again it's like yeah i think i'm ready to sing this one yeah now. it's like all right we're good to go yeah, yeah you think i wasn't a fan i'm a fan of your podcast i listen to every single dude, i appreciate it i appreciate the support event callbacks i'm gonna i'm gonna run the whole game yeah. Josh and Neil. you're gonna we're just gonna this whole episode is just gonna be quotes from other episodes i'm, I'm okay with, i'm curious to see if you remember more than i do in these own in my own podcast because i don't listen to them after i record them like i i listened to the first oh, little sure. bit on spotify to make sure like no spotify like it, didn't compress like it, it correctly yeah and then after right. that i'm like ah it's good to go but mm-hmm. um yeah um have you been Steve? It's been, it's been a while. Like I, I don't really think we've talked since really like uh COVID hit. Yeah, no, definitely not. I mean, we I think the most we spoke a little was just around Alexi's EP, mm-hmm. but even then, yeah, it's been okay. Um, I think, well, you knew uh, Matt and I were living in uh, Hoboken for, well, sorry, Union city for mm-hmm. a while. Um, we moved there after I did my internship in Hoboken which was with a session drummer by the name of Dylan Wissing. Dude's crazy. He's like, <laughs> I didn't realize this like right away, but he was on like, he's the drummer on Alicia Keys' Girl on Fire. Oh, shit. Like, yeah, like, he played those drums <laughs> and like That's recorded crazy. them as, yeah, as studios in this old leather factory in downtown Hoboken, like right on, right on the edge of Jersey City. And he's just like on like the second floor tucked away in this little suite it was like the old executive's office oh. for like or like an old is for the for the 
for the whole factory when it when actually it was like a production factory. Mm. And now it's just filled with like studios for artists okay. and like musicians. And the suite that he's in is a drum shop. And then there's offices in the back. So to like supplement the studio income, mm-hmm. uh, because that was only part-time work for the most part. I worked in the drum shop up front, okay, which was like super cool because that was, it was a nice balance between the two. Cause I came to Millersville with like the only career I never like, I don't know. I never had an idea for what I wanted to do in college. Mm-hmm. I kind of went to college cause it was like the next logical step as it was explained to me yeah. by people older and <laughs> wiser than me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, so I'll go to college. Uh, I don't know what I want to do. I've only ever really played drums and like, that's it. So don't know how this is going to translate. So I pretty much went and just like, I'd be a session drummer. Cause I liked playing all kinds of styles mm. at that point. And drumming was pretty much my, the, the only thing I really was like good at and liked doing. And then by the time I left, you know, drumming still was the thing that I did the most. So I left and I was able to get this internship, which was crazy. I just, emailed him every day for like a month i felt so bad but he said yes so i guess i can't feel too bad (laughs) and he liked me he'll say he'll tell you that he didn't but he liked me (laughs) no he's nice and um so that was fun and it was interesting to have because that was like that was what being a session drummer really is that internship Mm. like that was the complete like no frills no sugarcoat like this is what it is very little drumming you know yeah it, it doesn't happen that often. It's, it's kind of sad. The biggest thing is like video content. Mm. Like it's keeping up his Instagram. He worked uh, for a music school that did online lessons. So he was constantly filming online lessons. He had to do video content for just his own general promotion um, of things. He did sample packs for hip hop artists. He he's has a pretty big presence on sounds.com. Okay. Which is really cool. So I got to help him actually like track some of those packs. He let me mix one of them, which was like really sweet. Yeah, like awesome. he did not have to let me do that at all. <laughs> some like bright eyed kid who like barely knows his way around a mix board. I mean he didn't know that yeah. at the time. But hey, what what he doesn't know won't hurt him. <laughs> You're right. Unless of course Until it does. It did. I don't know. But he was always really nice about it and just really open. It's very DIY, but like that's you know that's kind of the scene I'm coming from mm. with the singer songwriter stuff. So I felt at home there. But having the complete opposite in a way, working in like a small private, not private, but small like small business essentially. Mm. It was it's not a ch- this. It was the drum shop was literally called the Drum Den. Like it was, a, <laughs> and it still is. It's still open. They're doing really well. And yeah, like it's just this one guy. His name's Pete. He's like the nicest dude you'll ever meet in the entire world. Mm. It's like, he's one of those guys, like when you talk to him, it's like, it's like you've been best friends for years, <laughs> you know, from like the first conversation. He's, he's fantastic. Well, he's in the right career then as like with retail. Oh, that's, dude, that's great. <laughs> so good. So, you, so many drummers, like, you, like the New York scene's like full of drummers, right? Mm. But like Hoboken, it's just like a really like family oriented town, which is really cool. Not what I would have expected from a town like that because it is kind of like it reminds me of Lancaster and that it's like very like short top urban you know it's not very tall but you know very tightly packed grid grid system one way roads like not a lot of parks so it's like 
not really the place you'd think. And it's pretty yuppie for the most part, too. But, like, the families that are there have been there for generations. You know, it's like, oh, and Hoboken was so much different, and we did all this. And there's a few music clubs that are staying alive there, which is cool. And he just embodies that homey spirit of the whole place. And then throw them at the cash register of a drum shop and, like... Good that's go. like dude, it's so cool <laughs> they do lessons so like tons of kids coming in to do lessons and they're all really excited which is neat like you get a you know you'll get a few kids here and there that are you can tell they're being forced to play something but for the mm. most part the kids just love to play the drummers were awesome it was it was nice because working in the studio as i'm sure it's just like because i know you did the studio internship i like i'm sure like anywhere no matter how cool the people in the room are when it's time when it's time to get down to work you got it's time to get down to work you know you yeah you get your ass in gear and like you can have fun but like you're there to work (laughs) exactly like there's but like at the drum den you know most of my main job was like scheduling lessons and then keeping up with inventory and then of course like if someone walked in sell them stuff but like we didn't get a whole lot of people buying stuff. It was mostly just the lessons and online orders because he has a pretty big eBay presence. So I would just pack stuff and whatever. But like when he'd come in some days, we would just like take like, like an hour lunch. I'm just like, just hang out. (laughs) If it's a slow day, just like, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, we're, we're ahead on orders. No one's coming to the shop. Let's just, let's just talk. And it's like, it was so nice because, you know, I feel like, finding that at least in my age right now and our age really mm. i think one of the more difficult things is like it's it's cool because i think you and a lot of some of the other people in the department really had a stronger idea of what you guys wanted to do in the industry and i left school uh with not that <laughs> um, very not sure so it was cool to have two really opposites something that's like this is the section of the industry that i'm interested in and this is just what it is. If you don't like it, sorry. Yeah. And then something yeah. completely different. Like, just like, all right, well, if you hate that, then maybe there's this. And it was kind of neat to find out that I didn't hate either one. Mm-hmm. And it was just, yeah. And it's and it's neat to just to be in that at the same exact time and be able to pick from things that I w- that I wanted to do because it's like, oh, I really like. Um, the creativity side of being in the studio, but um, deadlines aren't really my thing. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't like deadlines. Um, not to say that I'll never ever, not that they're a deal breaker, you know. But mm. le- the less deadlines, the better for me. And then I really liked the laid back attitude of the shop and just like the hominess of it and everything. But you really did have to get creative to implement creativity you know what i mean mm. it's like and that's got, that's mostly where like inventory was like the most creative thing we did like an overhaul of the system and like that was cool but it's not like <laughs> you know it's yeah. not creative so it's finding trying to find that balance between just profession and hobbyism is really what i've been my jam right now and now that i'm not in new jersey anymore i'm home with my parents in pennsylvania Mm. i'm working um i'm in a more extreme situation i guess because now i work a full-time job which i've never done before i've always had multiple part-times and um 
and I'm fixing iPads. I don't know if I told you that. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm fixing iPads. They've recently put me on phones, so now I'm fixing like Samsung phones. Hey. It's a pretty big deal. I don't want to... <laughs> Which is like definitely one of the last things I would have expected for myself to do mm-hmm. outside of school. Like I've never been very good with like preparing things. I've always been like afraid to break stuff for the most part. So I don't like to touch <laughs> expensive yeah. things. But now I'm like handling like $1,500 phones every day. And it's, it's super weird. And that's just the same thing every day. It's like, I sit down at my little desk mm-hmm. and I just work on whatever needs to be done for eight hours. And then I go home. And then to meet that creativity demand in my own head, I have to write only on my free time. Mm. And it's been really weird trying to balance all that together. But it's also made my creativity feel a little bit more valuable. Um, okay. This is definitely the most I've written this past, I guess, however long. How long has it been since COVID hit? I guess we're coming up on a year now. Close. So it was March March 15th is when we, when I went home for spring break. And we're mm-hmm. like, we have an extra two weeks of spring break. And that was, that was the idea. And then, <laughs> and then it just never ended. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, no, you have an extra two years of spring break at this rate yeah it's when you guys are back in the classes and everything or were yeah because i because i graduated and then Peyton is taking a gap year with with covid going on just uh, to kind of yeah. like good for them yeah, yeah just you know kind of take it easy a little bit but for sure um yeah kind of go it's interesting you were saying like <clears throat> you know you were graduating and you didn't really know where you wanted to be um Cause like for me, it kind of flipped. Like I went into school thinking I'm going to be an engineer and like a producer and that's it. Like, that's what I want to do full time. Um, and that also stemmed from, I think that also stemmed from me doing the singer songwriter stuff more on an instrument that wasn't my main instrument. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the second I got more serious about bass and got more into like the prog stuff, it actually kind of flipped where I'm like, I think I'd actually if I had the choice and I had to only do one, I think I'd rather perform and like record in that sense than be an engineer. Like I I'd be perfectly happy doing both. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that was kind of my, I, it's never that I didn't really know, like it's what I wanted to do, but I definitely had more of a priority over performance probably around like junior year. Um, because I ended up doing, uh, the Viner competition, like for the Viner scholarship. That's right. Um, and I just remember like, Vitaly's like, and for everyone who's listening who knows Professor Vitaly, he is the sweetest, most <sighs> kind person. This is a tear to my eye. This was the only time he sat me down and was just like, Josh, you have to get your shit to like you. Like, he gave yeah. me like, it wasn't even like a stern talk because it was still Vitaly, but like, it. it was so, it was probably the most like inspirational speech I've ever had. I um, love it. And it was basically just like, We've never had a bass player like that's done this in like in the past like seven years or so since I since he's been teaching here. And it's like you really want this to be good. Like there's not a lot of chance of like bass players to do a solo performance, like especially out like outside of college. Like this is probably totally. one of the few chances. Like live it up, like do well. And that like that's the most I ever practiced up until that point was on that one song. How long um, did you have to prepare that? Um Let's see, I signed up, I think it was like close to the end of the fall semester. Um, and then we had winter break pretty much. And it was a song that I sort of did for one of my juries, but I was terrible at it. 
Um, <laughs> so like, it was really like one, you kind of sucked at this already during your jury. So like, you kind of sure. get your stuff together. Um, but yes, that's the most I've ever played up until that point. And I actually wasn't there in person cause we were going to Nam. So hmm. like I had to record, it was Vitaly and, uh, Dr. Banks were the only ones in beam surfer. Uh, yeah. And we just recorded on Dr. Banks's iPhone. And so like I'd, oh, I had to go in with just the two of them, which is way more nerve wracking than having an actual crowd there. Oh, yeah, um, dude. And I was like, yeah, I'm playing Heart of the Bass by John Patitucci and here we go. And I just played mm-hmm. it. But like after that, once I got back from Nam, I'm like, wow, so this is what it feels like to actually be good at an instrument. Because, you know, <laughs> if you actually practice an instrument, you get good at it. So that, after that, I kind of went on a deep dive. Um, and then around that time was the same time when M-Rod was doing a lot of his double thumb stuff. And I'm like, that shit's pretty cool. So I'm like, a I'm going to learn. Of a man. Oh my gosh. The first time he did that, I'm just like, cause I, I didn't have any exposure to that kind of stuff. And then once I got more serious with the bases, I started exploring more, uh, more avenues of music that kind of lent itself to that more of that technical bass playing. I didn't realize your exposure to it was so late. I oh yeah. It was earlier than that. No, oh, I didn't. Wow. Yeah. I just didn't man, start listening. You've really, you've really jumped head first then. Oh yeah. No, I didn't start listening to like animals as leaders and like uh, Victor wound until like junior year, which is really bad as a bass player. <laughs> um, I think like my first actual introduction was my high school played blast by Marcus Miller. Okay. Um, yeah, sure. And I didn't double thumb cause I didn't know how to cause, um, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yes. I just, I just did finger style instead. So that was like the first introduction. I'm like, that's impossible. I'm not going to do that. And then it was like junior <laughs> year. I'm like, all right, I guess I'm going to learn how to do this. Um, and the way I did it was like, I just, I remember it was, I, I think I was talking to Emrod and he sent me like a couple of videos of like Evan Brewer, like going over like what he oh, does. Dude. Um, yeah. and then Evan Brewer's insane. And like, I, I knew I wouldn't do it unless I forced myself to. So I just went mm-hmm. around and told a bunch of my friends. I'm like, Hey, I'm doing classical thump for my next jury piece. And like in the fall and they're like, yo, that's crazy. So I told enough people that I basically couldn't like bitch out of it. So Dude, that's, that's, that's such the a only, good idea. Yeah, so that's the only way I really learned. And like, cause it sucks. It's a, it's a terrible technique. Oh my God. I can um, imagine. Especially on bass strings. Cause they're just so thick, but like, I mean, <gasps> it's great now, but like the first two months was literally just going up down with my thumb. Um, it's probably like two and a half months until I could actually do that without like hurting myself. And then you start slowing out in fingers. Um, so when you practice stuff like that, is that more of a passive kind of thing? Like, will you do that? Like watching TV yeah. or is it kind of something where you, are there any moments where you'll just like, okay, I'm not progressing as fast as I need to. And you'll just like sit and like really sit with your thumb or is it always pretty passive? Um, it was passive when I was first getting the technique down. Um, of just trying to get that motion again, consistent sound. Um, mm-hmm. The only times it was really just like, I need to grind this out was when I started learning classical thump. Um, and, and my old roommate Lance can attest to it because I played that song. That's probably the song I've played the most out of any like repertoire I've ever done before. Cool. Um, and it was like, because the entire thing is, um, it is 32nd note triplets, pretty much. Um, huh. Yeah. yeah, that's not slow. Yeah, and uh, wait, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remember if it was 16 no triplets or 30 second no triplets, but it's 100 th- 132 but, BPM. But double um, thumb triplets. Yeah, so basically, yeah, it, and it's a great, if anyone wants to learn how to double thumb, it's a great song to do because you learn string skipping, you learn different patterns with thumping because the main uh, part of it is just you, it's down thumb, hammer on, up thumb. So that's your triple is, da-da-da. Um, oh, okay. 
And then eventually you start adding in the other fingers to it. So then eventually partway through, you start string skipping and adding in your index finger and then adding uh, your middle finger into it. And then there's tapping. So yeah, it's, it's a great song for anyone who wants to learn how to double thumb. Um, I don't think he, it was like written to teach you how to do it. Yeah, pretty much. That's actually like he, like Victor Wound just compiled all of his exercises and basically just made like an, like an etude um, out of geez. all the double thumbing songs. And that's, that's it. That's um, so sweet. Yeah. That's always been so weird because, like, the, the the thing I can't relate to that too much with the, with the drums because I, as far as like technique goes, I mean, like, I mean, and I'm not proud of this, but like, <laughs> the only rudiments I know are like single stroke, double stroke, nice, <laughs> paradiddle diddles, six stroke roll. I don't even like paradiddles. If like regular pet don't like them. I've always, I've always just, I don't know. Cause I guess every time I've ever had a lesson or mm. talked to my old teacher or just other percussionists, everyone always brings up paradiddles. And I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to be a paradiddle guy. I want, I want to play something <laughs> else. So then I discovered paradiddle diddles. I was like, ah, oh, that's different. I'll just do that. And it was just, it was so silly. But I mean, the closest thing I could think of was um, for Matt Suvers, shout out Matt Suvers. For his recital, we did the brain dance by Animals as Leaders. That was so which, good. <laughs> oh, thanks, yeah. Which, like, technically, not a difficult song. Like the the most difficult rudiment is a paradiddle diddle, which isn't a difficult rudiment. So mm. it's like whatever. Um, but it's just getting all the timing stuff down, which is something I nerded out over for all four years, and something I still continue to really enjoy. Mm. Not to quite an extent. I think that song honestly really killed a lot of the prog life in me. Not that like. <laughs> Not that it was something that, not it was like, oh, I hate this and I never want to do this again, but it's just such like a perfect, like, test for mm. like all of the stuff that I've like claimed to have like loved and understood for so long. And then I did it to, you know, more or less. There were definitely stuff I left out and wish I had done better, but you know, mm. we got through it and yeah, people sounded good. didn't hate it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yes. It's like, I guess we did something right. And, um, so it was nice to at least have that done. And then once that was over, I guess I kind of like lost the desire to keep growing. You know what I mean? Mm. It was like, I didn't, for me, it wasn't like, cause I feel like the next natural pro- progression, especially from the people I idolized, you know, like Troy, Troy, Wright And, uh, Nathan and all those, all those drummers, you know, mm. like all those, all the prog drummers are in that vein of prog, at least. Um, you always hear them like, okay. And then I was like, all right, now what's the next difficult thing? Anoop Sastry also likes just incredibly Monster. just like <laughs> wacky stuff, dude. Like it just you can tell, like, even after some of their most bizarre performances, they're still like, all right, what's next? Yeah. And <laughs> that never came for me after the okay. brain dance, mm-hmm. which I thought was weird. Um, especially given like in Millersville, I was like prog drum guy or like jazz drum guy. And it yeah. was just like, what's next? You'd think like afterwards you kind of keep going. But I kind of, once that was done, I, well, first of all, my brain just needed to relax. You know what I mean? I was mm. like, my head hurt. Like I would, because <laughs> uh, we crammed that song for the most part. Like we started learning it a year in advance, mm. but you know, you have other stuff going on in that year and you can only retain so much over a year. So it's like, you know, you can start, I've, this is, it's like how I started papers in college. You can start as early as you want, but like, for me, at least I'm only going to retain the stuff I do closer to the actual performance so i took like three months three four months to really just cram that with subs mm. and sean 
Yeah, Sean just came guitar in. For us. Yeah. <laughs> came in like two weeks, learned the song. So upset. I'm still going to be bitter about that forever. But so good. Shout out. You got to get Sean on here. Sean oh, would be man. great. Yeah. Sean would have incredible stories to tell you. But, um, yeah. oh, sorry. No, you're Should good. not be crack- cracking yeah. my knuckles on a podcast. Probably a bad <laughs> idea. But, um, yeah, so I chilled out for a while and then I really started to dive into, um, just a lot of the songwriter stuff. Like, I'm a really big Circus Survive fan. So, oh, I started Anthony to... Green is, dude, su- yeah, such a babe. <laughs> <sighs> I would kiss, kiss the frick out of that man. I'll tell you what. Oh, man. Huge crush on that guy. But I loved it. Like, I've always loved his solo stuff, but I really started to spend a lot more time um, in like the year preceding that recital and then a lot after it. And then, you know, a lot of the bands in that vein, like Good Old War. Um, is his backing band for that. Um, a lot of Anthony's older stuff, like High and Driving that he did with one of the old, uh, good old war guys. And then the biggest one probably was David Bazan with Pedro the Lion. Okay. Pedro the Lion is just like this old slowcore band. Um, actually, you would probably really like them. Uh, David Bazan's whole thing, like, um, he has this really interesting take on, uh, not to get too spiritual on the show you're good but i know um and correct me if i'm wrong but i i believe you're christian right Mm -hmm. yeah so he um he was page of the lion was a band in the 90s and they were christian band um but their thing was always like they were like they grew up in pentecostal homes so doubt was always a kind of a thing Mm -hmm. that was like you we don't we don't really talk about that like you're not you're not really supposed to doubt anything you know it's like that's not a healthy thing like we we just don't you just listen and yeah. go for he was always <laughs> like we would love to change and which is cool for me because um throughout high school i was a christian as well mm-hmm. and it was really neat to hear him um in my later college years and like reflecting on that point in my life just his desire to like change christian culture and be like if we are going to like you know embody ourselves in this thing like doubt shouldn't be front like we should be able to uplift each other and like really look inwardly on these doubts and like really try to analyze them mm. and strengthen ourselves rather than like keep ourselves away from that. And then as he got over, he he eventually um he eventually lost his faith. But hearing the progression of that over his life and just like how much love he still has for like the faith in itself is like so incredible. Yeah. I think you would love I think you that would love awesome. it. Is that that's it's Pedro the Lion you said? Pedro the Lion. And then um when he lost his faith he kind of like or like right before he did, he kind of went through a lot with the band. So he ended up dropping the Page of the Lion moniker and going solo as David Bazan. Okay. 15 years later, got the band back together. They put out an album called Phoenix in 2019, 2019. And it's like my favorite, one of my favorite records of all time. And it's like changed the way I thought about music. I discovered mm. that senior year. <laughs> um, so like as soon as the brain dance was over, I dove right into that album. And oh my god, like changed my life for the absolute better. Like it, it's it was incredible. Yeah, the check. I, I definitely had to check it out. Super good, but that's kind of the mode I went, which is a little weird. Um, but I'm grateful for it, you know, because mm. it's neat to find that passion in a different light. And instead of like growing more in like my technical aspects, I find myself growing. Um, I want my songwriting to carry more weight lyrically, you know, because mm. um. I don't like the lyrics in my early stuff, you know, with the exception of like Prince. I think Prince, Prince is, is cool. So good. Oh, thank yeah, you. I, um, and like, that's even coming from a person who's Christian. Like I love Prince so no, much. Like, yeah. And even then, like that was just, 
that was those lyrics were written in high school before college okay. and then the music kind of came a little later mm. so and i discovered david Bazan like back in high school very passively so but the doubts were always there so like that song was just a really neat way that's probably the only song that i've written that i could think of that's just like the full embodiment of like a very uncontrollable and very like ill-defined emotion that i had mm. and just wanted to get it out somewhere and um and i think it i think it's phrased well you know i th- i think i think it gets everything it needs to out with in a digestible sense uh, for me and that's kind of something i want to keep doing because mm. like the other two songs on the ep are you know they're fine i'm not i'm not <laughs> attached to them at all um and i would love to just keep growing more towards like the prince style of lyricism like trying mm. to get back in that vein um but also move the instrumentals more towards like what i've been listening to which is like a lot of like early emo mm. and and you know i've always been a little weird about it because like some of the music i wrote that i've never released i've written like a few pro i should probably show you i've written like a few prog songs and stuff before that i've yeah. just like never <laughs> done anything with because i'm like well none of my friends like prog so like i'll never be in a prog band so like whatever i'll just hold on to these i guess mm. but i'll never do anything with them to really just especially with covid you know just being left to my own devices mm-hmm. um i believe that's for it's just like in college it's so easy to be influenced by other people's tastes for me at least so like my love of prog was definitely like strengthened by people like matt right mm. and like my love of jazz was definitely strengthened by people like alexi or, or mike uh, mike klein and so when i'm with covid and i'm like completely alone mm. <laughs> and i'm like not talking to people about music and stuff i'm like thinking of like all right so where do i gravitate towards when I have no outside influences, and that's like screamo, and nice. like, like cursive, and like yeah, dude, <laughs> and like some of the, like new like new screamo coming. I found some like new like New York indie okay. label, like DIY labels, mm. and I'm like, dude, there's a few hardcore bands from Lancaster that I'm like super into now. I'm like, oh my god, like it's just it's so sick. And then just like the slower like slow core emo, like mm. that Pedro the Lion style stuff, like. The low top style stuff, headphones, like all that kind of. It's just, it's really neat to be able to see how those tastes grow in different ways by the person. We definitely flipped because I was a, I I was very much an emo boy. Like if you if you see a picture of me like sophomore year in high school, like it's all black, everything, band T shirt, I the Bieber cut, like it's it's everything. (laughs) Um, and like that, a a lot of that, I I gravitate more towards like post-hardcore like under oath um yeah absolutely one of the first like bands that really introduced me to that was devil Wars prada which is still still <sighs> one of my favorite bands of all time um haste the day that's another like old like christian wow. post-hardcore band yeah, yeah haste the day. i totally forgot about um, haste the day they they released a new album in like 2016 i want to say 2017 because and they have like i i'm pretty sure they have all the members because it was pretty much like two iterations of haste the day Okay. Um, and they had like both the vocalists on. They, I think they traded off drummers like within. Whoa. Yeah, it, it was it was really it's a really well done album. That's so awesome. Um, but yeah, so I was definitely more in that vein of stuff. Um, mm. and then coming into college, kind of like you said, like I definitely got influenced a lot by Emrod, by you know, by you, by Colin. Um, 
Khan, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Colin was a big, big one. I remember, the, I, I forget, I think it was me, you, Colin, and Subes went to Sugar Bowl one time. And this mm-hmm. is when we said, like, oh, we're going to learn Sure Shot. Or no, it was uh, Sweet Tooth. I, Sweet Tooth. I know, the, yeah. I, know the, I know the night you're talking about. Yeah, I, and, I, I can picture it perfectly. And I remember, because, like, my brother showed me early intervals um, from A Voice Within, like, when I first, like, <sighs> started getting into that a little bit. I'm like, oh, this shit's really good. And then I never listened to um that album that sweet tooth was on and i remember i just sat down i'm listening to these bass parts and like i don't know if i can play this like <laughs> this is ridiculous and that was uh cameron from i was gonna um, say i couldn't remember if it was cameron or simon or whoever was playing at yeah the time. it was cameron for uh dear god i'm, I'm blanking on the band name right now um, yeah i can't remember protest i remember the, the drummer protest thank the hero. you yes, I, yes, and yes, i've yes, seen yes. them live too um but yeah it was protest the hero and then uh so he recorded bass for um not the most recent album but the other two albums for intervals and then jacob amansky recorded the newest album as well right um yeah so there's there's a couple points in my playing where i really like kind of i i find it's like very like pinnacle in my playing the first one being was the Viner competition with me just, you know, mm-hmm. getting better. And the second one was taking a lesson with Jacob Nomansky, who is, I've, yeah, you posted about that. It was, so yeah, they played at the chameleon club, rest in peace. Well, I guess it's not, it's not cool. fully the, they're not at the building. It's, anymore. They're moving. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, and I've been, I've been going there since I was like 13. Um, oh, dude. but yes, yeah, so I took a lesson with him before a show and it was basically like, hey, like, this is the stuff I want to work on. Like, what should I do? And I still have the voice memo. I still go back and, like, listen to some, like, little nuggets of information he had for me. And just, mm-hmm. like, having a lesson with him really put in perspective, like, this man is only a couple years older than me. And he's at where I want to be as a bass player and, like, career-wise where I wanted to be at that point of, like... That's cool. So it was it was very cool being able to, like, kind of on that personal level of, like... And we, I've had a lesson with him since where we talked a little bit about like the last 10 minutes, the lesson was kind of just like, how did you get to the point where you're at? Um, and it was, it was kind of funny cause we were at very similar points in our lives, like senior year of college, which was maybe get, gave me hope until COVID hit. Um, uh, right. But so his senior year, he was playing in a band, he was doing a senior recital and his band opened up for intervals and, uh, Aaron heard him play. What was the, and it was what's just, the band called? uh painted in exile was his old his old one um but yeah and then aaron heard him play and was like yo dude like you're really good and that's when um that was the plentervals tour so that's when plenty was going so simon was the bass player for intervals at that point right Um, that was um they played launch that year right yeah yeah i think so that was 20 i went to that show dude it was so good (laughs) it was so good oh i gotta tell you about that i went with logan and um and yeah, I care. Uh, Logan and I think Colin was there, and yeah, we got front row and we That's got to awesome. touch. Pl- we got to touch plenty. <laughs> it was the part in um, I think it's Libra or oh, it was Meridian. Hmm. The da 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 those like big hits yeah. in between the just, <laughs> Logan would like <laughs> play like walked up to the front and started playing like just the lead part, hmm. and on the big hits, Logan was like punching him in the chest <laughs> <laughs> and we were doing like the fire hands on the guitar like right in front of him and, oh, oh my dude, god it was, it was so that fun. was awesome yeah i saw the only time i've seen plenty was um with soups actually it was at nam um it was oh, yeah. yeah they played and then sarah longfield um 
someone else but i'm completely blank on the other person's name mm-hmm. um but yeah that was just that was an insane show um but yeah no like yeah kind of, kind of going back to like where where jacob was so like he so from that point he just sent aaron like a video of him playing sure shot or something like that um on instagram like tagged him in it and then he just messaged him he's like yo dude i'm going on like this you know this two-month tour the record's always done already done um you know if i send you over the stems can you learn the parts and fuck that man he has perfect pitch so jacob mansky learned it no problem <sighs> oh um, my god yeah so he and that's how he started so around that same point, um, I was actually talking to uh, one of my friends who lives in the UK. We actually were able to meet at NAM last year, uh, Tom Pankhurst. Um, shout out to Tom. And he's kind of like, you know, that, you know, instrumental guitar driven prog music kind of stuff. And like when we were talking, I'm like, and he's, you know, he was like, what do you want to do for a career? I'm like, you know, I would like to play bass in like a prog group. He's like, well, if I ever come to, you know, America, like you'll be the first person I call which was like yeah. really, really cool. And then COVID hit. And obviously that's, you know, that might be a little uh, while away, but like, so it, it was, it was interesting hearing like literally he got his job because someone saw him play. He tagged someone on Instagram and that's, you know, that's how he got to being where he's at right now. And then the endorsements yeah, with Dingwall and Dark Glass came late, later on. Whereas me, like I, I became friends with Tom because he did like an Instagram Q and A, I'm like, "Yo, you releasing any bass tabs?" He's like, "Not really, but like, if you want some, I can send them your way for like the one song." Because oh, yeah. he records all the bass parts for for his project, and that's how we became friends. We just like started talking from there. But so crazy, yeah. I don't know where I was Dude, going with that tangent, so but yeah, <laughs> that's okay. No, I love it, yeah. man. I mean, it's I, I've always I was really excited to talk about this specifically because like before we were talking uh, about even doing the podcast, I was just thinking about. Because you talked about your progression on the podcast and stuff, mm. and just like ha- like that shift for you from that, and I just remember like the first thing I ever heard you play, never like ever saw you play too, because mm. I was there. Oh, dude, I remember you had like the V neck T shirt. Oh yeah, on, uh, the V neck, the and, flannel, the long hair. <laughs> yeah, and it would like sit in front yeah. of your face, and you'd look down, so like it was just hair playing a guitar. Yeah, and I was like, "Where's the face?" <laughs> Oh, I'm growing it Dude, out my, again. Fun fact. I love it. I'm so excited. It's gonna be crazy. Yeah. You gotta put egg whites in it and just like Liberty spike yeah. it up <laughs> up down the back of your head. You should do that. You don't have to. Yeah. Only but if, if you do it, I I get credit. Only if I uh join a punk band. Oh, dude don't get me started just call it nazi punk fuck off and go from there. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Uh, that's so good. That's Dead Kennedys, right? Dead Kennedys yeah. did that originally and then I think Power Trip Power, either power, power Trip or Napalm Death do a cover. Mm. It's Power Trip, I believe. And it's so good. It's so good. And then Stick to Your Guns, I know. Um, and then it's Goodnight Alt-Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, that's one of the lines they yell right beforehand. But Incredible. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah, man, more punk. That's what I'm like. That's another reason. Um, I don't know if I told you. I'm really like looking forward to um, moving back to Lancaster, I think is where I want to go next. Sweet um because the stuff the stuff in jersey was great you know like and i'll always be thankful for it mm. um but it's just not where i see my growth happening mm. or the growth that i really appreciate happening played with links there for t- tons of time shout out jackie hines links um and matt because we were both in the band when we mm. played there and then like max zuner would come up shout out max zuner to play bass and what a homie. my friend tom <laughs> oh, the the mega homie oh yeah um and so we played a lot there and that was amazing. 
but you know, with COVID, it's, it's just difficult now to even, mm. it's even to even like get a hold of like some of those guys, let alone like play together. So, oh, but man, I just, I ha- I'm on that DIY kick and I want to embrace it for as long as possible. Mm. So, and dude, the Lancaster DIY scene, like that's like what gave me like my drive, honestly, mm. you know, like, like Soka, you know, like, like playing those shows at Soka like was just you know never played for that many people but i got to open for jesse barkai which was like oh damn yeah amazing because i had never heard of him or sun Not yellow or like the mellow wells or anybody like before that show because mm-hmm. i didn't re- i just was completely oblivious to like the lancaster scene i didn't realize it was a whole thing and then i uh I, I listened to his discography like as soon as that show was over. I was now like his biggest fan and like so that yell is great. And then I started it. Um, I have a few friends uh, who like were and still are and like Jane Driver. Mm-hmm. Um, that she yeah they're like that like really great shoegaze band um, from Lancaster and just like just um, uh, not Stargazer Lilies. Um, this band opened for them. Uh, Vicious Blossom uh, was another really great. Um, shoes band from like start and just just so deeply rooted in that diy scene mm. and it's like it's just so much love yeah you so, know? so, so much like, support with it and like oh, i know amazing. i know a lot of those bands have really good like activism kind of messages as well which totally. is like especially in a diy scene that can like really help it thrive a little bit because it can be a kind of a oh, step yeah. especially with you know i mean shit that's always been going on but like stuff that you know people are becoming more and more outspoken to nowadays which is great um, but having yeah, that in, in a strong DIY scene is like really, really good. Totally. That's one thing that really drew me to the Screamo scene in general. My friend Evan added me to uh, like a Facebook group. It's like the Scram, it's called the Scram's Cave, uh, <laughs> which I love, um, which I love. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, and it's just a bunch of like current Scram's bands just like posting their stuff and like sharing all their favorite like old Screamo records and stuff. Mm. And you're supposed to answer you know, with like Facebook groups, you answer questions and stuff before you go in. Yeah. And they're all like based on that. They're just like, like they're just like, ask for like your stance on like rights for trans people and like, ask for, like your opinion on like the, like black lives matter movements and like, mm-hmm. just like simply like your thoughts on the, the capital and even like portions of the working class stepping on like indigenous people's like rights like constantly and mm. just like just like just the idea of like because like a lot of the people in that group are white so it's just like like what's your responsibility like as a settler like and and like really trying to expand on that mm. and some of those conversations happen in that group let alone the music which is like you know if you want some of the most like aggressive music <laughs> about stuff happening like right now yeah. it's like you just just listen to any scrams record and you'll get it it's incredible mm. like so many wonderful trans artists in that group that i've really come to love i got a few few of those records on vinyl there's a few tape I'm back into cassette tapes now because of the scrams <laughs> man it's like great That's i love awesome. it i'm like i i'd show you and it's it's a little far away and mm. my mic is clipping like crazy so i apologize yeah, you're if there's tons of clips <laughs> but um but it's just been great like it um, my friend, like I have a friend who wants to start a tape label. I, there's a tape label that just got started in Lancaster, and oh man, I just, I just got to be there. You know mm. what I mean? It's like I need, I need to embrace it, which is so weird because it's coming from like the Millersville music department. It's like DIY seems like the thing that you kind of work at 
as at least Definitely. in my mind is like that's kind of the thing that's like maybe that you start in and kind of work out of into something bigger if you're going into like a more commercial centric mm-hmm. program like Millersville was <laughs> but even going in I was like I just want to learn how to make myself sound better mm. and given how frequently my mic is clipping apparently i've <laughs> not learned a thing in those four years but well you have you know, a piece of paper enough. you're right i do <laughs> i do have a piece of paper which i am now repairing ipads with it's the tool i use to open up the phones okay so i i shove my degree in there i'm working in the medical field right now technically so <laughs> what are you doing i'm a i'm an at-home uh aide like a home care aid for my brother. Um, he's wheelchair bound. And then I'm also a contact, right, right. I'm also a contact tracer. Um, so I have two separate jobs. Oh. Yeah. I have two separate jobs in the medical field, which like I never in a million years would I thought I'd be in that. Um, but yeah, no, it was, yeah, it's, it was just interesting. Cause like, uh, the agency that does the contact tracing, my aunt worked for them, um, as a nurse mm-hmm. and was like, Hey, the music industry's dead, right? And I'm like, yeah, it's it's dead. She's like, do you need something to kind of like hunker down on? So I was like, yeah, that'd be great. So she recommended your prospects me. are just over. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the conversation we had. Was like, do you have any plans? Because like her, my my one cousin uh, just graduated from her master's. It was kind of the same boat I was in of like trying to look for jobs when COVID hit. Um, you know, right after graduating, and she was just like, yeah. Um, you know, kind of like what you're looking at. And she knew like I was, you know, engaged, kind of getting ready to get married at that point. Um, and it was just like, you know, trying to <laughs> trying to figure everything out. And yeah, it kind of just happened. And like my coworkers are great and it's a great thing. The timing's good because by the time this job runs out, basically, is when COVID, we have a handle on COVID. So at that point, right. hopefully more gigs will open up because I was doing, I was starting to do more pick gigs before COVID hit. Um, yeah, you play with Prima, right? Yeah, yeah, I love Prima. Prima's it's they were they were such... my first theater gig in Lancaster. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, man, it's gotta love Prima. Great, great community. Um, Big shout outs to Mitch and Sarah. Oh, Katie yeah. I spent so much because I that was the gig I did in September where they rented out um, the flap out of a truck and then just put Reagan on everything. I saw videos of that. Yeah, yeah, that was the first time I was on the news too. You can see I have the Strandberg and the like <laughs> they're like panning across. <laughs> I uh, love it. That's so funny. But, um, what kind of songs did you play? That was like, because it was originally supposed to be a showcase, and then they kind of got switched into more of like, um, you know, we we would play a couple songs, and they had like a host who was a speaker. He would either like read poems or like give testimonials of like stuff going on with COVID or stuff going on with Black Lives Matter, um, mm-hmm. which is really cool to be a part of. But oh, yeah. but it was yeah we did a lot of. Um, I think there's a lot of like, not divas, but a lot of like the the heavier hitting, um, you know, female singer songwriters throughout the oh, decade. So we had like Aretha Frank- Franklin thrown in there. We had yeah. Beyonce thrown in there. Um, and Ooh. and some of it was like um, different versions. Like we did an, ele- an electro swing version of Crazy in Love. Um, and it had like this Dude. super deep synth bass part that I got to play. It was so much fun. Uh. Um, but yeah, so like that's kind of hopefully, you know, by the time those gigs kind of open up more is when this job is going to be done. So it's kind of like the perfect, oh, sure. you know, it was the perfect spot for me to be able to save up some money so that if music does, you know, if I do have the opportunity to jump in full time, I have a little bit of a cushion um, 
to kind of fall back on in case I have a couple months of like, you know, not that many gigs or like, you know, I, I can make rent, but I can't pay, you know, other bills. I have a little bit of a cushion to fall back on. Right. Um, Yeah. Especially because we're moving to a new place in, in Lancaster. Like we're moving actually into the city, which is, which is really great. Um, and we'll have a backyard for Charlie too, which is, which is great. Yo, that's so awesome. (laughs) I'm so happy for you too. Thanks dude. You two getting married is like, I was, I don't think I'm going to be that happy when I get married. Like I was, I'm so happy. Dude, it was, it was wild. Cause like we were originally planning on like a 150 person wedding, uh, before COVID hit. And then we had a total of six people in the church. Um, which, that's there's something kind of charming about it that, was though. it was really nice like i like we're still going to celebrate with everyone when like you know this is all oh, totally. when this is all over but like having especially when the year was like everything was uncertain like going throughout the entire year yeah. so just having something that like we're looking forward to that we kind of had control over um and have it like nice and relaxed like not a lot of people there um you know everyone was socially distanced you know pretty much the entire time um and you know, six people, like three of those were like my family members so that I go back to, to like help work for my brother. And so does Peyton. So like, we're all around each other. Um, so yeah, very low stress, but yeah, it was very nice to kind of end on a, a good note of 2020, I should say. Yeah, but, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And like the response we got was really nice too, because like we both know we're on the younger side to get married, but sure. like even if, I mean, if people weren't happy about it, like it didn't really show, like everyone we talked to was really supportive and really happy about it, which was like, that's, that's the, what you can hope for. That's the best thing you can mm-hmm. hope for. Um, Absolutely. shout out to my wife, Payton, cause I can say my Yee. wife now, which is great. <laughs> do you get all, do you get all butterflies when you say that? Or does it not feel that different? I'm still getting used to it, honestly. I, bet. Um, I imagine it takes a little while. And especially because we don't see people. So it's not like I'm introducing I'm Payton, sure. like you know, as my wife to people. My um, wife. Yeah, yeah. So if you ever seen like the, the one, jo- it's one of the John Mulaney specials where he yells like, that's my wife. Um, I basically been, I was doing hands off my yeah, wife. <laughs> I didn't kill my wife. Um, I just so been good. yelling. That's my wife over and over again. Like, especially throughout our honeymoon. I just kept yelling that because we watched all three John Mulaney specials <laughs> on our honeymoon. Incredible. Where'd you guys um, honeymoon? And we went to an Airbnb, uh, to go oh, from one apartment to another. So just to kind of, Ooh. do something different um because other than that we were just going to go back to our apartment but yeah we just right. went to an airbnb in philly um and just like brought groceries and just stayed inside which was nice no, it was good it was cool. good to get out there a little bit i love it that's but, awesome yeah um that's supposed to be a music podcast but we're here for some wholesomeness as well it's a life yeah. podcast we talked about music the whole time yeah. <laughs> we can talk about the best couple in the world oh, it's fine thanks thanks dude um so what are you so you when do you think you're going to wait until COVID's kind of over to move back to Lancaster or what, what is your kind of plan right now? That was my initial plan. Mm. Um, I was like, I'll just wait till it blows over. And then once like blowing over kind of like, wasn't <laughs> really an option and like, it's still like not like super foreseeable. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of just like, I don't know. I'm working full time now. You know, even if I, even if I like, wasn't working full time right now, I would have to soon because yeah, it's just become very apparent that like, no, nothing's stopping nothing's slowing <laughs> we're not locking down it's like all right so i guess i'm kind of forced to do this now that's mm. fun so it's really just making sure i get like the right prospects so um a friend of mine um was reaching out about living together and um so we're going to try and do that as soon as possible okay it's looking like end of the summer that we'll probably be able to get out but that's fine i mean by that point i'll have been at this current job for a year 
hopefully I'll get enough under my belt to maybe do like repair part time mm. because I, I, you know, you know, truth be told, I do kind of like repairing yeah. this stuff. <laughs> it is kind of fun. Mm. Um, but doing it 40 hours a week is, is draining. So yeah. like if I did it, I definitely want to go back to, there's anything I learned from going full time after having two part times. It's that I'll always prefer having multiple part times over one full time. Gotcha. Job. Like, even if it's not sustain, I'll, I'll make it work. Mm. I just don't, I don't, I can't do it. No, and like, kudos to those who can. And that's honestly good, especially f- like for trying to get into like the music industry. Cause like there's v- very few times someone will do one job in the totally. music industry and that's it. So kind of honestly, that will probably lend itself better being able to like wanting to gravitate more towards, you know, mm-hmm. and like, I, I, I honestly feel that like, I'd rather be able to do multiple things than having like honestly i'm working pretty much two full-time actually i was working two full-time jobs and then i cut back to part-time for one of them um yeah because a 70 hour work week sucks ass <laughs> <laughs> yeah 50 is just fine I'll yeah. stick, you'll stick with 50 and like the one is like it's hanging out with my brother like yeah it's helping him and like throughout the day and like, sure. but like yeah, so the one is like it really doesn't feel like a job um I mainly do like night shifts where I like I get up with him and like roll him over in the middle of the night in case he needs to like readjust or anything. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm tired in the sense of like I get woken up in the middle of the night, but it's not like a right. super draining job. Um, no, yeah. But yeah, no, I definitely doing one full time job and then doing that on top was just like I basically after I got done work because it was like a nine to five thirty sort of deal. It was like after I got done work, it's like all right, I can do one enjoyable thing for the night and that's it because I'm too tired to do anything else. So it's like, mm. am I going to play bass? <laughs> am I going to play Call of Duty? I got to pick one because uh, I'm not doing two of them. <laughs> there could be a religion based on that question alone. Yeah. <laughs> the almighty have- Bass or Call of Duty. Yeah. I've heard the new Call of Duty is really good. I I played the demo for Cold War. I played the, uh, the zombie demo and that was a lot of fun because I grew up playing zombies since World at War, which like I was... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was 12 maybe when that came out because I was Call of Duty f- 5, I want to say. World at War was 5, yeah. Yeah, because my Warfare was 4. Like the first, the original one was 4. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just funny playing with like people... Who are like, because I never put my headset on and people are like trying to tell me what to do. I'm like, I've been playing this before you were born by the, by the sound of your voice. So don't tell me what I to do. I love it. I love it. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, now I have to start a video game podcast just so we can continue this conversation. I'd be okay with different, that. That'd be fun. Yeah. I just don't play as much video games anymore because I've just been so focused on the music. Mm. But I'm sure I'll get back there one day. And when that day comes, you'll be my first call. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, when especially when COVID first hit, and like me, and before I started the contact tracing job, when I because I'd basically work forty hours for my brother within a span of like two to three days, um, so I basically had like a four day like I had like four days off pretty much every single week, which was really nice. Yeah. But like, yeah, I remember those times where I just like said my underwear and I just play Modern Warfare for like seven hours straight. <laughs> which is terrible but it was it was great in a sense but um so good yeah well we're coming up pretty close to an hour at this point um yeah thanks for coming on steve it's been great catching up thanks for having me yeah i was so excited for this this is it was everything (laughs) i hoped it would be and more i'm glad it's most wonderful well steve do you have a any pluggables you want to plug uh where can people find you any i don't know anything you want to (laughs) plug yeah um 
I guess Stephen Katona Music on Instagram. That's why I don't use it that often, but it's there if you want. Uh, I donate all the money I make on the music to Rain, so um, please donate to Rain before you buy my music. You can just download it for free and then donate to Rain yeah. separately. <laughs> um, and then donate to Black Trans Organizations. Listen to the Big Fat Meanies. Oh, shout out for a deal. My girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, I love saying that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, that's cool. it. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, of this course. Is a, this is a blast. Yeah, thanks. Can't for... wait to listen to it at work. Yeah. <laughs> Go listen to your own voice. No. <laughs> thanks to you, though. Thanks for everyone who's listening right now. Really appreciate it. Um, you know, if you somehow found this on Spotify uh, and you want to follow me on Instagram, it's Josh Neal Music. If you want to see uh, some dumb bass prog stuff or cute pictures of my dog and, and my wife you can uh, look at that um, yes but yeah do it this has been another episode of low end and friends podcast and thank you all for listening <laughs>